We are. So hello, and welcome to the Tabletop Call-In Show. This is episode three? Is this the third time we did this? This is number three. It's time, we're here, it's 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, I'm Adam Bell, and I'm joined by... Jeremy Gage. Yep, and we're here to talk about games. We're going to... I had to talk to each other about games for like a second, do some some banter. <laughs> that's how <laughs> that's how shows talk, and then we'll take some calls. Uh, so if you want to call in, hop in the Discord. You can, assuming my chat thing didn't break, which it sure looks like it did. Great. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, let me copy and paste that into the chat real quick for you, uh, Jeremy. Why don't you fill some time? Who are you? Where can people find you? Yeah, as you can see in this little doodad below me and on Adams over there, you can find us on Twitter at Adam E. Bell and at Jeremy Gage 5 uh, to chat with us off air because we're around. We do the social media sometimes. I'm not saying it's reliable. I'm saying it's an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. Just came out on Friday. And my whole life has been sacrificed to it at this point. Sacrifice. <laughs> I mean that in That's... that way. It has my. Uh, Want to say hello to some of the people in the chat? Jimmy, hello. Eldritch Mouse, Ty, hello. Tony Pony, hello. Good to see you all here today. Glad you could be here to view and ask us questions when you get the Discord link, which is now present. Oh, so, it's there. hey, everyone. Oh, yeah. Garmbreak. Hello, Garmbreak. I also have not... What have I been doing? I haven't played a tabletop RPG in like a month. I haven't... Uh, I started working on Grasping Nettles again, thankfully. So there has been, mm-hmm. been a bit of a drought on that because we've talked about Kickstarter enough. It's an energy mm-hmm, sucker. Mm-hmm. But I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Because that is supposed to be in people's hands by June. Uh, which mm, I, I reopened my uh, setting project as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for for grasping nettles is what I mean. Yeah, I figured. But for the viewer, they might not know that you're oh. contributing a quick nettle. Yeah. Uh, so here we are. We are ready to go. We do have uh, <laughs> a caller in the queue. That maybe we could just start with that. Uh, okay. We're, we're talking Discord right. user Greg Nard. New caller, <laughs> never never before seen. Uh, let's see what's going on. Hey, thank you for calling the Tabletop Calling Show. Who are we talking to? Uh oh. Hello, Mr. Nard? Hang on. I think it's my oh, fault. Hold on. I think I'm having, a, I'm having a hard time hearing you right now. Hold on just one second. I think it was my fault. You should be you should be live now. I think I got my settings come up. I'm not used to the the internet radio. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. How are you? I guess I can't hear you, so I don't know why I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good today. Can you hear me? No. Welcome to the tabletop call-in show, everyone. Sometimes there's technical difficulties. We can hear... I, I don't know what y'all are saying exactly, because uh, I still haven't fixed my stuff, but mm. uh, let, 
let me go ahead and, and tell you my question. I'm, 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 I'm new to game design. Uh, I've been playing games for a long time. Uh, I, I've been playing since the, the late 70s, and I've been thinking about uh, getting dipping my toe into game design. And um, I just want to know, I, I hear that, that PBTA stuff is real hot right now, and I just wonder uh, how would you apply the FACO uh, to a PBTA game? <laughs> what an incredible question. Uh <laughs> And, and hopefully I'll be able to hear your answer uh, at some point. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully you can hear us soon. But uh, yeah. So, Jeremy, do you have any, any thoughts here? Do you know what Thaco is? First yeah, important uh, thing. I, no, I don't know. But I'm look, <laughs> looking it up right so it, now. I believe it's a system. Class yeah. Zero. yeah, it's, 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 yeah. A, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a system. I'm now hearing myself through. I can hear you just a little bit now. I think I got it worked out. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello. Ragnar. I can hear us through I you also, which is a whole thing. But that's part of the call-in show, what you yeah. need. <laughs> so so how would, how would y'all go about applying the FACO to mm-hmm. a game? To a PBTA game. So PBTA, let's think about that for a second, right? PBTA combat usually consists of uh, a story. And depending on the game, like there are some that have hit points. Uh, there are some that have armor, maybe. There are mostly it's a matter of you take harm in, you take in the story. So how, Jeremy, how do you think you would add to, to hit armor class zero? <laughs> well, Let's look at some things that PBTA is, right? Uh-huh. It is a game about fictional positioning. You can only engage in, for anyone who doesn't may not know, uh, the game uses moves rather than, like, abilities. Like, game that's has that's like, a, that's but, like a, a move is like a spell, right? Yes, a move <laughs> is exactly like a spell. Uh, and, Greg Nard, that's very good insight. For being someone who's, like, just getting in the game design, you must have played a lot of games. Uh, I've played, I played most of the editions, uh, the first and the second one, uh, some BX, uh, you know, uh, I tried Pathfinder a little bit once. I did not like it. I w- <laughs> but you want Thacko. Here we go. Uh, PBTA is fictional positioning, right? You can only engage in a move in PBTA by saying, I'm doing this thing narratively. Now my move is engaged. Whereas in, to my knowledge, you can kind of just fictional position yourself in any way and then de- uh, delineate the difficulty of that from the thing you're attempting to verse in that circumstance to my knowledge so the only thing i can think of off the top of my head is that pbta stuff it already has a number range right it's got that it's got that six or less you fail seven to nine is a partial and then 10 is a great success so i think there's something in there where you could like stretch it out uh stretch those ranges out and apply thaco in that regard or you could do from what i'm reading about thaco this being my first time engaging with it period uh also fun fact there's like a fun like radial dial that you can get for this which is pretty nifty and has some like immersion qualities to it if you you can't just do the quick mental math i understand how those things can be helpful yeah <laughs> quantum <laughs> holy shit i can see the fourth dimension dude 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I would I would think about extending the ranges, and maybe there's something about because it looks like you're trying to get to zero. Yeah, to hit armor class. Yeah, zero. to hit. You you need to get to get it to zero <laughs> to hit. So maybe there's something about getting to either a the high number, getting to some sort of number in PBTA through a use of advantages modifiers actually a really good game to think about this kind of is from passion de las pasiones where uh they uh brandon leon gambetta great i did it uh used fires instead of stat example might be uh, uh, if you wanted to get a secret from somebody it might also ask you, in addition to doing this move, have you made yourself vulnerable? If you did, add plus one to your move. Uh, and then are you withholding something from your the person you're targeting with this move? Take one away from this move, right? So I think there's something in there where like you can use prompts or, or keys to instigate getting to zero, right? That like combination piece there. Here's my take. If we want that, that's great stuff. I, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm interested in in multiple takes. I mean, this is my my first go at it, and since uh-huh. you guys are such polished professionals, I would just I'd love all the insight I can get. Um, you know. Yeah. So I'm thinking a big thing that we want to do. You talked about Jeremy. You talked a little bit about fictional positioning, and I think we need to yeah. codify the fictional positioning in this game to make sure that that everybody's on the same page, and so. Everybody that is in a combat, both player characters, monsters, non-player characters, everybody that's in the combat, we need a a, uh, a way on your table to track the fictional positioning between them and every other person on the combat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that. So I'm thinking you got to bring a lot of. You have to bring like 20 copies of each mini because I mean these combats <laughs> could get pretty big. <laughs> and then you've got these timelines. And so on the timeline, you know, maybe you start, depending on your stats, you start maybe like 12, 12 bits away from your opponent or, you know, from whoever. And as you get closer, you bring the minis. Where's my camera? You bring the minis literally closer to each other. And then once they're next to each other, we can say that the armor class is zero and uh, they can be hit. I like that. Now, I've heard a lot of PBTA games are all about, um, like, romance and relationships. Uh, so how would you apply uh, the, the Thaco to, uh, to that? <laughs> well, so PBTA mm. in general doesn't distinguish between combat mm-hmm. and non-combat. So at all times, if we're, if we're going with my system with all the miniatures, at all times you have... If you just have all these miniatures out, every NPC in the game, you know where they are, and if you define like what the relationship is, and that's the type of timeline you get, and if it's like a romantic relationship, well, whenever you get close, you've gotten close. I like that. <laughs> all right, y'all, y'all giving me y'all giving me a lot to noodle on uh, for the week. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll call back uh, next week, check in. Uh, ask some more questions as I as I get my design a little bit further along. 
I think I think the first step uh, is just figuring out whether I want to go with this this kind of dial mentality or if I want to want to you know produce a big box with a lot of a lot of minis in it mm-hmm. uh, for for taco smooching. There's big money in a big box of miniatures that has very little good game content behind them. So I think you I think that's your best bet. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, uh, I'll check in uh, next time. Uh, y'all y'all going to be back here next Sunday? We'll be back here next Sunday. Yep. Awesome. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Yeah. I hope right. to see you specifically next time, Greg Nard. Thank you, Greg. Uh, what an incredible call. I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, get out of here. Cool. <laughs> So yeah, that was somebody we've never talked to before on the show, for sure. Uh, Voice sounded a little familiar, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Probably has a twin, an audio twin out there somewhere, a vocal twin. Somebody with the exact same whatever it is about the vocal cord that produces your voice. (laughs) (laughs) The larynx box? Yeah. Yeah, the same larynx box. I do, I mean joking aside i do like the idea of trying to make a very crunchy story game mm-hmm. i mean i don't know about full thaco pbta that's <laughs> that's some shit. i think there was something but... that was interesting about like there's something that jogged in my brain about you know that game you play about like six degrees of separation like that yeah maybe there's like a, a thaco oh. <laughs> pbta combination where it's like there's like a, everything's in degrees like degree of intensity or something and uh maybe certain monsters or relationships or whatever need to achieve like a certain degree level or something and then you can use fictional positioning that way mm-hmm. i think that's i don't know that's just it popped up in my brain i think something's there i'm juicing that fruit i haven't tasted the juice yet well it might be quite sweet and maybe a little tangy, and maybe a little bit mm. of uh, Kevin Bacon shit. <laughs> Hashtag taste the juice. <laughs> um, Start it, everyone who's watching. Hashtag taste hashtag, the juice. You yeah. heard it from Jeremy first. Taste the juice. That's when you have an idea and you try it out. We don't call it yeah, play exactly. testing. We don't call it play storming. <laughs> We're tasting that juice. We're this tasting is, the sweet, sweet juice. <laughs> this is horrible. I love it. <laughs> I'm juicing, dude. I'm juicing the fruit right now. <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, if there's another caller in the queue, why don't we? Uh, what do we take that? It looks like we got Ty coming in soon. Ty, if you're gonna get your stream muted. Hello, and thanks for calling the Tabletop Calling Show. Who are we talking to? Ooh. Hi. Uh, how's it going? It's it's Ty calling in. Uh, how are you guys? I'm doing pretty good. I'm having Hello, a nice Ty. time. I'm doing good as well. How about Great. you? Uh, I'm I'm wonderful. Uh, I'm fantastic. Uh, I was going to ask how you can apply Blades <laughs> in the Dark principles to an old school D&D game, but I actually think we got a lot from uh, Mr. <laughs> Nard that I can sort of extrapolate from. So I have maybe a different, a different question along different okay. lines, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Absolutely. What is your opinion on, say, supplements 
for games or moving on to completely new games. So do you think that releasing more content for a game that's out has diminishing returns due to like the shiny eye-catching, this is a new brand new game? And uh, I can keep going on that. This is like a topic I can talk about for a, a lot, but like I'm thinking specifically about like um, like the quick nettles for grasping nettles. Like, do you see more of those coming out, or do you see once grasping nettle comes out, that's it, and you you move on to the next thing? Uh, are we going to see mission packs for Kaleidoscope, or <laughs> are you going to release Kaleidoscope and then sort of like move on to the next best thing? I have a potentially very long answer. So you yeah. should go first. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. You do have thoughts, don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's kind of, uh, there's a lot of things that would go into, like, whether you're doing one thing or the other with this. Like, because there is that, that element of trying to chase, you know, a shiny get a new game out there so people get excited about your new game. But I don't think, I think if you're working on a new game, it should probably be, probably be because you want to do that. Because like if, if, if we're speaking exclusively about like making money, I think supporting an existing game is a great way to do that. Uh, If you can, if you can find an audience and then like, I don't want to say capture that audience because that sounds sinister, (laughs) but find an audience and then like keep, pleasing that audience that it should slowly grow because when you really think about it like grasping nettles as an example like did as well as any game of mine has ever done by a lot on on kickstarter there's i'm going to be sending that to like 200 people that's not very many people (laughs) when you when you think about when you think of how many people play games how many people in theory would enjoy it um i'm not reaching even a fraction of a fraction of the people that could theoretically like my games. And that's because there's so many games and just because they'll like my game doesn't mean it'll be their favorite, all that. Um, So I think if your heart is in it and you want to keep working on stuff for one game, whether it's your own game or somebody else's game that is cool with third-party content, I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, But on the other side, I don't know if I will do any more quick nettle type stuff because for me as a creator i am kind of bad at thinking of one thing for a long time like i want my my brain is very rewarded by something being finished and so i want to get it to that point but then after that i kind of i a little bit forget about it which feels like a problem <laughs> seeing as yeah i don't know that that's probably my uh, i think that's my answer i don't know <laughs> Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was pretty thorough. I liked it. Um, Ty, I want to ask a clarifying question. Is this question more in a like design creation mentality space, or is this more like a business directed question? I don't think I thought the question through that far. This is uh, um, <laughs> let's say I can answer both. A. It's just going to be long. <laughs> Well, um, let's just go maybe from a, a standpoint of the designer standpoint of, you know, 
should you always just be moving on to your next project or should you, you know, spend some time with what you've created and, and support it? So my answer when I think personally, uh, so if no one's watched, I have some uh, content with Spencer Campbell between my podcast and his YouTube channel where we talk about this concept of live RPG design, taking influences from MMOs and creating ecosystems for our games. So D&D is kind of like this. D&D is its own ecosystem where it has D&D Beyond and all that digital um, ecosystem space and they only publish that product like Wizards of the Coast is not publishing another RPG for the foreseeable future or another style of RPG for the foreseeable future. So to the example, to the question about should you supplement, I think the supplements question, if directed towards creative creating and designing, is more about like how long are you in love with it or can you fall back in love with it, right? Because you can even make something new and still make another supplement for something you've made previously, right? I know that Spencer has been talking about um, revisiting Corvid Court and Slayers to produce collaboration projects, codenamed Project Aviary and Project Almanac, right? So whereas he is already produced light and uh, is working on Nova currently. So that's one example of someone who's going like who has made new games and now is revisiting previous games. So that's one option. The other is like if, if this is more like a business directed question, I think it's just about what sort of person you want to brand yourself as. Right. It's so like Wizards of the Coast is the D&D company, right? It's it can't it's going to be very hard for it to be something else if they ever wanted to go in a different direction. And then there's someone like Adam Vass who makes who is known to make a ton of different games and that's that's their brand. I think in the business sense you just have to find a direction that works for you along with your creativity and then for the creativity one I think it's just about following your soul like I'll I could be the person that can make one game make supplements for it because I'm like more business minded in that sense and like extrapolate on that for maybe a half a year and then I might move on to the next game and then as Adam said Adam is a person who has a ton of ideas and needs to get them on the page and out in some fashion to feel his version of success right so it's all about what your version of success is I think is my answer Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I also I also think that uh, from a different sort of standpoint, if we look at the way Mothership is doing things, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. they had like some of the top Kickstarters for Zine Quest this year, and and that's all sort of just like you know adventures and supplements from mm -hmm. Mothership, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, they've built a built a good community there. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's right. what they wanted to do. They wanted to build a community around mothership. So, yeah, and that is not. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, it helps that they like were semi-established in the board game space, but like, they just made Sean McCoy just made this game, and then like, I mean, it's really. I guess it's just that it's really good <laughs> in a very that, particular yeah, sort helps. of way. Like when you just make a really good game, that's always like a, a step up. Right. Well, yeah. but, but even even then, there's like really good games, but then there are Mothership is like a particular style of really good that like, I mean, anybody 
I feel like anybody could see themselves playing that, like jumping in, playing a thing of mothership because who doesn't like dying in space uh, <laughs> with pretty clean rules and all that stuff. Whereas yeah. another really good game, I can't think of one, but like something more niche or something, I don't know. There's just something special about certain things that, mm-hmm. that explode. And then if the person behind that is also good at building community, who the resonance the Ooh. swell taste the juice yeah, taste that's... the juice hashtag taste the juice it's a tall glass of juice come to the juice club I do, I do have one other quick question if there's time yeah i think yeah. there's time i was just wondering if you could put me in the contact with mr nard because i was wondering maybe <laughs> if i could make some supplements for the game mm. that they are working on because it yeah. does seem like they've struck gold it seems like that one's got the juice yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. S- we'll see if we can uh, get you in touch with with Greg <laughs> with Greg Nard. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm here for. You know, making those connections. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll see myself. Up. All right. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ty. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot. Oh to be shit! We about. haven't pl- we haven't let anyone plug. They just keep leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Nard, are you still watching? Come back in here and plug. <laughs> Greg, just, Greg has just started game design. I think uh, we'll have plenty of plugs in the future. Uh, but yeah, supporting <laughs> supporting a game that is already out is I, if you can do it, you, I think you should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not all games really lend themselves to that. Is I think if a thing fruit that didn't doesn't get stop up. bearing. If the tree doesn't stop bearing fruit, mm-hmm. you have to keep juicing. You can never stop juicing the fruit. <laughs> you never stop juicing. Let's uh, let's move on to our next caller. Uh, this Don't is a ret- this is definitely head. a return a return caller. <laughs> Matt Fennell, uh called in on the pre-show, the pre-episode pre-show. So let's uh, let's say hello. Welcome to the Tabletop Colin Show. Who is this? Hello, Adam and Jeremy. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> From the upcoming major motion picture Spiral from the Book of Saw. <laughs> Am I in danger here? <laughs> Matt, yeah, come to the phone. He's a little tied up right now. <laughs> oh no. Wait. He'll be fine, probably. <laughs> is this protein when you say pro- is there something I can do to help, Matt? Uh well, I'm sitting here with a copy of The Tomb of Horrors, because as you know, I like traps. I was wondering, <laughs> do you all have any favorite traps? I, w- this will help save Matt's life because I don't want to give you any ideas. Important. I don't want to give you any ideas that would endanger somebody. Uh, all that Gary has in here is uh, lots of snakes and uh, cursed statues and spikes, <laughs> which, you know, maybe a little played out. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as you know, I'm, I'm something of a prolific GM, uh, you, you might call it. Uh, right. It's true. It's literally true. I know that, that you all play games that are maybe a little bit different from the ones that I like to play. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> a little bit. How, how, do, how do you think you'd incorporate traps or maybe being an antagonistic GM into the sorts of games that you like in a way that would be fun for everyone? Again, I'm worried about answering this to you, but I, I, I'll, I'll give it my best faith effort on the grounds that 
if you like my answer, you have to release Matt. That seems fair. Okay. Um, traps. When was the I'm last time? so <laughs> sideways right now. Jeremy, this is important. Our, 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 Matt's life is on the line Friend here. is in danger, yeah. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing. This is very serious. <laughs> this is an incredibly serious moment. So, all right, all right. My favorite trap is the gelatinous cube pitfall trap. So you you have your players come in into the tunnel and they see a gelatinous cube and they're low level, and like, oh shit, we've got to run. And you open a really big trap door with spikes in it at some point down the hallway. And they don't realize that the gelatinous cube is just going to fall in and dissolve you while you're in that pit trap. It just is the perfect size of the cube. Mm. That's my favorite one. That's a good one. I like, I don't, I don't know exactly how these devices are created, but I like a device that requires, uh, it requires people to do specific amounts of damage to it. Here's how it works. We're going to zoom out. You wouldn't know this unless you read the instruction manual, of course. Uh, But the first time you hit it, you have to do one damage to it. And if you do less than that, then it resets. But if you do more than that, then somehow it hurts you for the amount more. And you have to then do two and then three all the way up to ten. And so you just have people trying to figure out what's happening as they get hurt by this little box. That's diabolical. I, uh, it's completely unfun. That sounds very good. Very good. <laughs> it's so uh, good. Hang, hang on one second. Uh, hey, hey guys. Hey, uh, I'm okay. I uh, I had to um, uh, saw off my foot or something. I don't know. I watched that movie yesterday for this bit, and it's not very fun. The first um, the first Saw movie? No. The it's, first Saw movie. That's the only one I've seen, but it's definitely shit. It, it was not fun at all. I did not have a good time. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i okay. Uh, it's great to hear. I, 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 uh, but yeah, I... I I kind of I I think I agree with Jake. So I think traps are fun, but I can never figure out a way to make them fun when when I'm mm-hmm. playing games or running games. They just mm-hmm. always seem to be frustrating. Yeah, which I, maybe is the point. I think that <laughs> usually whenever I did run dungeon type games, if I wanted to do traps, the key to make them fun is to make them like just really obvious and obnoxious. I would like to do just like here. You just entered this hallway, and you could see that there's like every step you take is there's a trap good luck uh because then it's like okay this is a fucking mess including i like to put a bear trap right in the middle of that hallway just like a regular <laughs> bear trap you can just walk around it but it, it sets the mood yeah i think yeah that sounds I good i think there's a there's a difference between like there's two things one i think there's a difference between like a trap and a puzzle right like a trap is not always a puzzle puzzle is almost always a trap but they're not always the same thing and also isn't a mod in those styles of games right like the players can deal with the monster a long period of time but like if you just spring a where there's a lot of situations where like you can't react player and so i think that's what makes them feel frustrating because it's like you potentially put something in place that we had no power to deal with. Why didn't you do? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just cut out the middleman and subtract ten HP from all of us? Right, like that. That sort of thing. That sort of feeling. So I think it's about balancing the 
both the uh, what is it called? The themes of the game, right? If they know they're they should know that there are traps in the game, and then I think it's also about like, <laughs> or maybe not. Is that a trap? Uh, maybe <laughs> knowledge then, is is maybe the the biggest trap of all. We could say consciousness. Yeah, yeah. we're really trapped in this fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there. <laughs> but I think there's something about uh, also being. I think people need potentially be more obvious about traps to make it feel good for players Uh, i don't you know i don't know if that's if that feels good for the but then there's a conversation like does that feel good for the gm then like do they just walk around it but then there's a i think it's also about constructing traps that engage with uh like action like Mm. instead of a trap just happening when they're like scouting what if there's a trap that is an obstacle in addition to a monster, right? So like a mon like let's see even let's say the gelatinous cube, they know obviously there's a switch for the dart trap back down the hallway and they're not gonna step on that. But the fucking gelatinous cube that's immune to piercing damage doesn't give a fuck about the pressure plate and it's gonna step on it Ooh. if they care or not, right? So I think it's about finding triggers outside of the players and in ways that like is manipulatable by you so you can make them present, right? It's even something like the dastardly villain has a lever right next to him. And it's like, I'm going to trigger the saw blade. Uh, and it's like that now, now that he's presented the saw blade and he's the one that's going to trigger it, they now have options. I think it's when you remove options for players that it can feel bad. That's my tangent. Yeah, I, that's a very good tangent. It, you know, MV, I think last week talked about horror and player agency and all those things. And this feels like it's 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 kind of related. Um, yeah, I think if you're upfront about like, because if you say either in or out of character, like if out of character, you put on the door of the dungeon a warning. Uh, this place has got a lot of tr- really shitty traps. <laughs> and then the players know that going in. Yeah, and, and sets the expectations. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then they could just turn around and be like, we're not fucking going in there. And then you yeah. know that they don't want, that that's not the type of play they're looking for. Or just have that conversation out of character as well. Um, but I think using having them usable as weapons and tools for either combat or, or other things is a really good, cool idea, Jeremy. Yeah, I like the I like the slime hitting the pressure plate a lot. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's mindless, and it's just gonna do it, and it doesn't care. It doesn't care. It's just a, it's just a big cube of juice. Hashtag never stop juicing. Never <laughs> stop juicing. Hashtag taste the. Let's go, juice country. Juice country. Juice country. Come on, you've gone too far with <laughs> juice nation. Juice. Is that better? I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to. I'm feeling that out. If that's better or worse. I think it's better. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that, uh, that's kind of all I had. All right. um, I, I don't really have anything to plug right now, but uh, you you can follow me on Twitter um, at Madster895. Um, I think that's I think that's it. Do you, do you guys want to kick me? I know you, I know you like to do that. Only if you want. Only, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only if you Let's don't do want to leave. See ya. All right. Bye. <laughs> Hashtag taste the juice. Hashtag never stop juicing. Hashtag juice nation. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Why is there a juice box in the chat now? This is <laughs> this is a lot to deal with. I think this is the deep lore, dude. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we were able to save Matt's life. 
Yes, me too. Let me tell you, that would have been that would have, that would have weighed heavy on the show's future if we allowed Jigsaw to <laughs> to kill one of our listeners. <laughs> Good. God. Oh, that was incredible. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love it. Everyone, keep it coming. Whatever you juicing, don't stop. Uh, we do have another another caller in the queue. Tony plus one. Another former caller. No, hasn't called today yet, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me drag him up here. Hello, and welcome to the Tabletop Call-In Show. Uh, how's it going, guys? It's going good. How have you been? I'm good. Uh, I'm pretty good. I uh, it's been a it's been a week of getting getting back on the horse as far as working on repugnant goes, getting things uh, moved forward, making making bombs and lotions and whatnot. And, you know, mm-hmm. having a bombs. good time. Okay, I thought you said bombs. Uh, I was like Tony. I don't think bombs, you should talk bombs about and it. Lotions. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> which you know, it's really fun. no one ever knows what that word is when people say it. Like mm-hmm. even when you hear the word balm, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you hear it perfectly. You're not 100% sure in your mind right away, if you're honest with yourself, what the hell that person is talking yeah, about. Yeah, it has to be next to another word like lotion or beard. Right, yeah, yeah. Lotions and balms. Beard balm is still very kind of iffy. Like, But if you were like healing or soothing balm, somebody would know what you were talking about. If you were talking about spirit balm, uh, then somebody would know what you were talking about. If you're talking about tiger balm, nobody's quite sure what it is, but they're all kind of obsessed with the smell of it. So, you know, like there's, there's a lot going on in the world of bombs. Um, but yeah, I'm getting, getting back on the horse covering, I think from a little bit of like post post Kickstarter and zine quest exhaustion that led to a little bit of depression and not knowing how to act. Cause I was able to distract myself almost every single day with the content. Um, yeah, you really put in the work during that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I it was a lot, and we just, we just crossed 500 subs on the YouTube channel. Uh, go to YouTube.com/slash plus one exp. You can you can jump in on that. But I actually called I called because I want to just uh, chit chat with y'all. I'm gonna I am this is actually entirely a self promotional, uh, selfish call. I don't normally do this, but <laughs> just gonna... um, uh, <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about Troika Fest if you guys are down for that. Sure, yeah. Um, so, uh, Trigger Fest is coming up, uh, on the 5th through the 11th. Um, it's basically an invitation to the tabletop role playing community to play Troika or to make something for Troika. You can find out more about it at ttrpg.link slash Troika Fest. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I'm dropping today. We've got a formal invite video that I did coming out later today. Uh, but I, I think this is my big question. So, so the fest is a new idea. Uh, this is hopefully going to be the best Fest we've ever done because it's the first one, so if it's not the best, we've got we've got problems. Um, since y'all, since y'all are generally familiar with the concept of the fest, like, like you've heard of it before, uh, what are some things you think I should be considering over this next week to really make sure that Troika Fest 2021 is the best Troika Fest ever? Well, I think for for the viewers, actually, Tony, would you just give a brief intro of like what the fest idea is? No, you should go to that link and watch the video. That's entirely. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, so uh, Trick Effect is a partnership between Plus One EXP, the brand that I run, and Molsonian Arts Council, which uh, is, are the publishers of Troika. Troika is uh, a science fantasy system. Um, I would say it's at a, at a sweet little crossing point between indie and OSR uh, feel, but I think it leans a little bit more heavily towards. Uh, towards the OSR probably. Um, it's got some really cool iterative, iterative mechanic processes where you kind of build the setting of what's in Troika City by the by the character creation and the establishment of play. There's some really kind of cool 
cool stuff going on uh, in the system, but it's also a system I had never played. Like, it's a system that I feel like a lot of people own Troika or have bought Troika, but it's one of those games that kind of sits on our shelf. Um, there are plenty of people who play it all the time, but the people from Wilsonian were like, will you cover some Troika stuff? And I said, that'd be great, but I've also never played Troika. And that kind of led in conversation to saying, what if we hosted an event where we just encourage people to give Troika a try? Um, basically saying, how do we get a, a game off of our shelf and into players' hands and also invite creators to do something with it. So there's a, a design jam that goes along with it. It's going to be open starting the first and going for the next month. They're doing a product release, um, a Kickstarter for Academies of the Arcane, which is going to influence a lot of what we're doing during Troika Fest. Um, we're going to be doing some live streams. I'm doing some interviews with different Troika creators during the course of the week. But really, the, there's not like a registration process. It's not an online con. It's just saying, hey, during this week or around it, play Troika if you haven't before. Or if you like Troika, play it again this week and then just share your experience of play online using the hashtag TroikaFest. So it's kind of a decentralized community event, um, which I I love the idea of. Like, I want us to do one at least quarterly with publishers of different sizes. Melsonian was the first one that would be good to partner with because um, we were already in conversation, but because they actually are a company that has an advertising budget and has the ability to put things out on a consistent basis and has staff members as opposed to somebody who is a small creator who may just be doing everything on their own. Uh, Cause the goal is like a bunch of people doing a light touch on the fest to make it feel like a bigger event. Um, so that's kind of the general, maybe, maybe more than elevator pitch. That was probably like, Hey, we hit the wrong floor and had to go back down <laughs> uh, of the elevator pitch. Oh, it's um, stuck you know. for a second. Cause there's some maintenance. Uh, yeah. They, they assured yeah, us it would only be a couple out, minutes. We were like, talked to the secretary and she was like, Oh no, his, his office got moved downstairs. Um, <laughs> you know once we finally got there and so that's that's probably the the level that was um uh but yeah i i think for me like right now it, because it is kind of this fuzzy thing mm-hmm. um i feel constantly like there's something i should be doing for it and the reality is there's usually not uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but that said other than starting to like get the word out you know by by appearing on you know probably the premier tabletop call-in show in existence yeah um uh, you know, getting awesome. that getting that juice from the juice nation. Uh, what do y'all think I should be considering as we if we go into this week before Troika Fest? Yeah, so I, you said you were going to do some streams, right? Of, of yeah, yeah, we're going to do uh, we're going to do an opening kind of launch stream on uh, on Monday. Um, I'm finalizing the calendar right now. On Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to try to play. So you've been thrown down a well um, cool. with um, with at least Madeline. Uh, Ember, who's one of the designers, um, I'm hoping both uh, both Ember and Ash can come. But they're going to play. Um, they're not going to not going to run out. They're just going to get to enjoy their creation. That's my hope for that one. Then we'll have a closing stream, and then we're going to do an interview with um, Mr. Sell, uh, the head of the Melsonian Arts Council, um, and some other people from the Melsonian staff about how Troika gets made, about system design, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, I think that's, uh, I mean, obviously that's kind of one of your big things, but, uh, probably getting the word out on those and pro- making sure that it's easy to see when those streams are happening. Cause I think, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of the decentralized, Hey, everybody just play the game. And then we'll just know that like throughout the world, we're all doing a similar thing. And that's kind of nice. Um, have it like knowing, Oh, and also maybe to prep for my game, I can watch, I can watch Tony play. Uh, it, but like knowing knowing that knowing easily being able to find that is great. I'm sure you're already on top of that. But like, if you are on top of that already, know that you're doing the right thing. 
Jimmy, do you have any ideas? Yeah, I think uh, to double down on sort of the decentralized thing, I think the big word here is community, right? So even though it's decentralized, I think a really good asset, maybe not now because it might be too close to the event, but maybe for the next one is something where, I don't know if it's through you since you're the company that's hosting it or anything of that effect, but maybe some sort of like forum space where people can share stories instead of like searching for hashtags. Because like, I'm a person who doesn't really search for hashtags on Twitter and, and stuff like that. So that may not be useful to me um, in that re- in that regard. And I also think to Adam's point, if if the if the marketing is like two weeks or something prior, maybe be nice to have like some how to or actual play videos that you can direct people to be like, hey, here's a real quick how to watch us play for two hours, three hours or whatever. That way someone doesn't have to like the book if they're picking up to join the festival. Right now this concept is for people that already have tripels, but there's no reason this isn't a great marketing opportunity to spike for uh, the publisher and for you as well, right? So like, I think there's definitely something on the table to show, to, to curb the learning curve for people, depending on the book. I don't know how, in I don't have Troika, I've never read it, but, um, I'm thinking about like if it was Blades in the Dark and you announced like two weeks or something before, right? Like Blades in the Dark is a pretty involved system. So like it it might do like forcing a GM to feel like they have to rush and build uh, build out a game in two weeks. Like that that might be hard for some people. So I think Mm -hmm. a how-to video would be a nice supplement to this entire event from maybe from the publisher in like a more modern sense. Because I know that you know, if we're using the example of Blades in the Dark, I know John Harper has actual plays, but those are two, two, three years old, four years old now mm. at this point. It'd be nice to see like where no one's played that game in the last last you know however many right. years. Not even like, once. Right. once once a game has been released on Kickstarter, once it's successfully funded, that's the end of that game getting played by anybody <laughs> ever. <laughs> that's not true. That's literally not true. So I think on that, you said there is a jam happening alongside. Yeah. I mean, the jam, mm-hmm. the jam has, itch jams have the forum thing. So like, yeah, you could take so we've, got, we've got the forum for, on the, on the, itch, we are going to, um, there's an RPG, there's a, a board game slash tabletop game community called the paddle. Uh, that's we've got an RPG tavern in that I theoretically hang out in more, but I'm actually usually <laughs> just hanging out in the brain trust instead. Um, Cause you can only be in one discord space at a time it's um it's impossible to occupy more than one mm-hmm. um uh actually is going to be kind of where troika fest happens um as far as like discord community place um obviously the milsonian arts council uh, has one too but they actually wanted to kind of push out of their community and kind of get other people who mm-hmm. you know, aren't engaged so there's those two yeah but i like the idea of having it a little bit more available in the run-up um and then uh, troika is actually available on itch you can get it on itch for 12 bucks um jeremy gage um Oh, um, uh, but I am um, I'm I'm super excited about it. Uh, like I said, I just want to check in with some other people and say, hey, what am I missing right now? Because I'm in the middle of it all. I think one last yeah. one last idea, and I don't know if it's too late, but if there was like an official Troika Fest adventure, which like would work really well, honestly, with Troika as the Bizarro game itself, like Troika Fest could be happening inside Troika and like you make characters and go to Troika Fest in Troika and that's that's like the, oh, the shit, version that's a of good Troika idea. everybody plays. 
Maybe uh, maybe by the time the eleventh rolls around, I'll have a Troika Fest adventure. <laughs> yeah, mm. I'm. I'm gonna. You know, one of the things I realized is that Beards and Beyond. If you write supplemental material for Beards and Beyond, the ability to to convert them to Troika or vice versa is is pretty is pretty basic. They're, the system has a lot of overlap because they're both D6 systems. Mm. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be making some some doubly compatible material for my game and for Troika. Um, but uh, doing a Troika Fest adventure is kind of a super fun idea. Yeah, we're trying to get this world event thing built out where it's like a wizardy, wizarding cup type thing. Uh, mm. But I don't think we really nailed that in all of the kind of run up to it. I think there were too many too many moving pieces. Um, so my last question then before I, before I hop out of your hair and let the next caller come on is um, who, give, give me a list. Who are your top picks for the next people we should do fest with? Uh, or the next fest we should do? <laughs> Great question. So is the plan to do them do like a publisher specific like a, a specific game or i think the game needs to be in existence yeah. um and i don't but i don't care about the size of the publisher other than maybe potentially not uh yeah i don't think greg is ready for a nard fest uh, <laughs> uh um uh, i mean one day i hope we do nard fest i should reach out we, we've got this thing where we invest in new and upcoming gamers i should reach out to greg yeah uh, and see you if should. we can put a little bit of money into uh, what did he call it again? It was, I know it was a fake. He's doing like a, a phrase at the end, um, like fake <laughs> smooching or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, what a great conversation. Uh, I love I love that y'all are just bringing new creators uh, into the fold. Yeah, we're, your here show. To, we're here to help the new um, creators like Greg Nard. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, besides Greg, um, yeah, any, any size, I think you know, they don't, it can be an individual. It could just be like, uh, it doesn't have to be like. It could be like John Harper. John Harper is an individual who you know mm. produced Blades and Dark. So it could be like you know Blade Fest or whatever. Mm. It could be uh, World Champ Game Co. It could be um, you know Adam Bell Game Designs. It should be. It could be whoever. Uh, I think the game just has to exist already. Right. Mm. Yeah. And be and be easily hackable and creatable around. Mm. So who, who are you thinking? I think mm-hmm. also, I was just, I had two things. One, in addition to like the festival idea, a sense, especially since there's a jam as a part of this, I would find it very interesting to see if those jam people, like as a, as a double incentive, maybe there's a way to also do like a Troika bundle at the end of everyone who participates in the jam to really also maybe inspire new game designers who might be like cutting their teeth on this Troika jam, right? And show them that they can make money through their game. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I think yeah. that could be very, very cool. Um, so like you jam, you fest, and then you bundle at the end. And you know, it, it's just a cool like top off thing where like everyone can get a lot of cool ideas uh, on the table. And then I think a game that would be really interesting is like a game that maybe does like a system or sorry, is setting agnostic, and then maybe like the release, because you talked about that doing like a Troika adventure, uh, like giving that to everybody and having them sort of play that, like an Adventures League sort of thing. Sorry to compare, but like that's the big mainstream. That's where the idea came from, I appreciate that. So I think it would be something like if a new setting got released. Like I think these fests, in addition to me talking about curbing that learning curve, I think about something like I just interviewed uh, Wheels, Michael Whelan from Dice Breakers, last week and his game the house doesn't always win 
is setting agnostic and it can be very versatile so i think it'd be interesting to see like a big setting be released for that game like next year or something like that and then people can just like rip that setting apart make up locations and things like that and have fun like you know people go crazy for fucking critical roles taldori exandria stuff right like ooh, we get all these new spots to play in on the same system so i think setting agnostic games can be very powerful in a fest sense hmm. i like that yeah um i uh i was trying to get wheels on to run that game but apparently he actually has uh, he can't go on to other people's channels and run games um oh. and he can go in and be interviewed but can't do uh can't do actual plays or other stuff like that it's against his contract um and so which i found like super interesting um makes sense yeah I mean, and so, um, yeah, uh, I'm, but he's also coming, I'm going to be talking to him. I'm, I'm, I listened to your, I have your interview queued up, uh, with him because I'm talking to him on Tuesday, um, on the channel. So, um, but thanks all so much for the input. I, I appreciate it. Um, and Greg, uh, look out for my, uh, uh, I don't know how I'm going to find you. I mean, but I'm just look out cause I'm coming at you, uh, with some support. Uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> so, was going to tell everybody that's um, looking for Greg that they could, they could find Greg in the discord here, but. Looks like Greg already left, which is really strange. <laughs> I feel like he's, very mysterious. he's probably a pretty private person. Yeah. A lot of a lot of you know <laughs> uh, old school gamers. Um, they're not very good at technology. I mean, he couldn't even he couldn't even hear y'all when he hopped on originally. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it's uh, yeah, it's always so interesting. Um, no, I am. Uh, you can hey, by the way, you can find me um, at, at plus one exp across all social media platforms. <laughs> Uh, you can find uh, we are weird little brand that multi-classes and tabletop game design, beard and skincare alchemy, and the Bardic College of Content Creation. Uh, our hope, our dream is that we could help designers find great players who love their games and help players find great designers whose games they can love. You can check out all that at plus1exp.com or at plus1exp. Uh, um, hey, thanks thanks for... Uh, I, I've been drinking some bean juice while listening to this, um, and uh, I just love how... How juicy is! I also I do love both times I've been on here. People have commented about enjoying the way that I do my branded ad reads. So thank you, MV, for that uh, that comment, Starfish Killer, in the I, in the I, chat. I really need to get something like that. It's just uh, powerful in my, in my brain. It's good. I mean, you just gotta you know, like we, you know, I'll call back next week. We can workshop it. Okay, yeah, sure. Right, right. Live on air. Um, I'll, t- I'll teach people how to create the mental waveform of like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it is a GMBT action right like it is mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. and getting back to here's my baseline I've just started again let's let's go you know yeah. um, and so we'll, we'll we'll take that energy and and do more with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hop out now. All right. All right, we'll <laughs> See you, Tony. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, we've got five minutes left in this show. Uh, do you want to? We did put out a call for some questions hmm. uh, on Twitter, and we got two of those. Do we want to? Uh, you want to just see if we can answer one or two of those, and then call it a day? Yeah. Uh, let's do. Uh, I'm gonna save Aaron Lim because Aaron Lim has a strong question that might be longer than five minutes. But uh, Jimmy Shelter asks. For someone wanting to dive into playing slash writing solo tabletop RPGs, where would you recommend to start? My first answer that I thought of was The Quiet Year. Hmm. Oh, wait, The Quiet Year is not solo, right? No, it is, right? I think technically no, but it is. I mean, you can just play it by yourself. All right. I I just always hear about it. Have you played it? 
No, I've not played it. Not once. We should play it sometime. Uh, yeah, because oh. it's, it's good. But I think that I think that makes sense because that's I mean it's a prompt driven, very good prompt driven game. Uh, a lot of solo games are prompt driven. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that's a. Did you have more? No, that was my After first that? one. I mean, <laughs> there's also uh, the machine by Adira and Fen Slattery are uh, is very cool. Uh, I've peeked at it. I've not read it. I'm not very good at solo games because I get upset at my. I like. There's a thing that happens with like I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, and like it's either a combination of like boredom or. I don't feel like I don't have the connective energy I usually do when I run like a GM game or a co-op game. And I just feel like I'm kind of sitting in my, in a room by myself with my thoughts and I can't think. So I'm not very good at solo games, unfortunately. I'm kind of the same way I did intend before we started the show to do a regular, semi-regular solo stream. Cause I love a lot of the solo game, uh, like rule sets out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rule the, sets in the books are beautiful. Don't get me wrong; that's not work. the thing yeah, that's causing to bounce off. Right? It's off. it's difficult it's to my just own sit ineptitude down. of being able to execute. Mm. Which is why, like the stream, whenever I did, I, I streamed uh, the Wretched by Chris Bissett, uh a while back. It's probably a couple months ago now. And that, like the the idea of presenting what I was doing to a camera, helped me play. Help me actually see, because if I sit down, I'll probably set up the damn tower and then be like, what am I doing? I got other stuff to do, uh, which is a shame because I had a really good time playing that. So I think, yeah, back to the question, though, <laughs> which was not, is it even possible to play some of <laughs> Is it fun? Uh- <laughs> I... I have written one and a half solo games. The first one mm-hmm. that I wrote, uh, I think, was maybe before I read any other solo games. Maybe. I don't know when I read solo games first. But that one is called My Brain is a Stick of Butter. And it was just me gamifying my a bad brain. <laughs> so, like, that was pretty easy to write. But um, it, I think I came up with that idea for that game in, like, ten minutes. It's one of those annoying ones. I hate when that happens. <laughs> but uh, basically what I would try to teach slash learn from my experience designing that game is if you can think of something that would be engaging to think about for five minutes to two hours, um, just like an experience that you can present or a story that can be told, then like starting from there and then just trying to feel what kind of game mechanics would work would be um that's a that's a great place to start i think mm-hmm. but then yeah i and that's that's ahead. that's without like reading if you if you for some reason don't want to read other games uh, which you should read other games because mm-hmm. that's the second half is just just check out let's give a big list of of solo games that are good i just said the wretched you mentioned the quiet year would be pretty good Mm-hmm. Um, I'll bet not a solo game. <laughs> right, not a solo game, but it's a great solo game. Uh, the machine the makes machine. you feel a lot of things. It waiting. teaches a lot about atmosphere. I'm I'm waiting for somebody to send me a notebook where they've played the machine because the machine has the really cool thing where you can mail your notebook to somebody else and then they play like a sequel essentially. That rules. Um, Artifact, as Max is pointing out in the audience, mm-hmm. screaming at us from the stand. Yeah. <laughs> 
artifact. Let me check. The chat is mostly behind my camera, so I can barely see it most of the time. I'm here to interact with. Yeah. I'm here to interact with all of you. That's welcome, welcome, Juice Nation. Uh, pa- the Grandpa's Farm from the upcoming Possible Worlds thing. If you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you go check out Possible Worlds on Twitter. Nope. Well, yes, but if you go check out Possible Worlds <laughs> on Kickstarter. You can back, and eventually you'll get Grandpa's Farm, which is a great little. I've I've read a, a pre copy of it. Great little, like journaling game that follows the same like tropes as a Stardew Valley Harvest Moon type thing. Mm-hmm. But just yeah, looking at how other people do things. All all of the games based on what's the, I forget the actual game. There's the Carta SRD. It's it's pretty recent. Uh, there's a jam going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the right guy for this question, I think. <laughs> There's uh the, so the only solo game I've played is Iron Sworn's. So I mm. have both right um Iron Sworn Core and then Iron Sworn Delve. Um MV also mentions Alone in the Stars, but Iron Sworn is the one that I played. Uh I think when thinking about writing a a solo RPG in in what I've been exposed to, this is my limited but I think it'd be unfair to like say like what I look for in a solo, like what I think makes a solo game. Yeah. I think a solo game is is very evocative. I think it has a very strong theme, and it asks a lot of questions that help get the mind going. Oh, uh, fucking John Geary's at Gay Half Orc on Twitter. Uh, mind Walk. Mind Walk is also a good, great solo game. Uh, it's a connective. A uh, series of three different one pagers that you can print and play, and they have a lot, lot of really strong questions on them, uh, and have these very evocative themes. And they, you can, the game, you can play it for hours. You can play it for seconds, or you can play it for hours. And I think that's a really cool uh, thing to think about: is how long do you do you want a person to engage with your solo game, right? Because some people love playing you know, uh, a six hour D and D session. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe they like that six hour solo. Like I'm, my mind is just cranking creativity. Right. Oh, there's also a uh, fucking actually now that I skip all about that it, creativity. Yeah. Juice. I'm juicing right now. Uh, Kurt Potts sigil in the dark, mm-hmm. which is a derivative product from the bigger project. Uh, lighthearted is a game about where you play a dark sorcerer and you're making magic spells um and then uh fucking oh shit con is is that their name con there's a there's a tarot game out there where you play a spell scroll wow oh, that's god cool. <laughs> i i can't remember it uh go alone delve exclamation point alone in the stars mv is just the solo i th- i think an important thing uh, just to kind of go back to the original question, important thing to think about um, in terms of designing a solo game is realizing that you are much less shackled by pretty much any of the trappings of normal, quote unquote, normal tabletop RPG play, because mm-hmm. it's just you're, it's it's an experience for one person. Um, and so it can be essentially anything. Like you said, it could be something that's six hours like it could be something you know, in more of like the lyric game d- dimension of like, read this. And then as you go about your day, just have thoughts and that the thoughts are how you play. 
or it could mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. more in the um, Thousand Year of Vampire place where it's, you know, you get this notebook and you play the playing the game is writing in this notebook that it comes with that has glossy paper that's tough to write ink on. Apparently, I don't know. Don't you didn't hear it from me. Uh, <laughs> or you can have something like the Wretched and Alone games, which are you're playing Django with yourself. Uh, so like and it, that is what's building tension because those are games that desire tension, but you don't, mm. and, and, but you don't necessarily need tension on the other hand of that, because a lot like tension drives a lot of normal RPGs. There's mm-hmm. especially ones with GM, the GM kind of adds tension to the thing. And then the, the players react to that. But with a solo game, it, I mean, there are games out there about like whenever you're cooking dinner, like, the onion that you're chopping is a f- fucking alien. Uh, <laughs> you did it. But then you go all the way to Ironsworn. Ironsworn's in an entirely different universe, mm-hmm. like you're talking about, because that's like emulating GM to play, essentially, but with these rules. I don't know how to play Ironsworn, but that's my understanding of it. Is that right? Where it's like. Yeah. It's like yeah. a standard you're going on an adventure yeah yeah and seeing what happens. i think i think solo games emulate a lot from novels because you can't um it's hard to read a novel that doesn't have like a connective through through line or strong theme right so i yeah. think the difference between like there's still game in a solo game but i think there is more of like a discovery of an idea i think i think the the principal design behind a solo game is that it's kind of singular because it needs to make sure i think the game has to help because i talk about this with um oh shit who did i just recently oh it was wheels uh we talked about how the game is also a player at the table right the game has things to say about the narrative that you're producing not just Mm. the gm and not just the players but the game's explicit and implicit mechanics also are helping to tell the story right so i think that when designing a solo game i think what is important to keep in mind is that the game is also a player and it's playing along with the person who's executing the commands and stuff i think uh, uh oh uh ty also points out field guide to memory is a good solo game there's a lot of there's a really a lot of good solo yeah, games because yeah. it's a it's an incredibly fun place to play in as a designer but it's also a fairly new one people weren't really doing this for as long as many other types of games. Um, Jimmy connect with Ty connect with Max I think I think you'll find a <laughs> great collaboration they just spitting off solo games yeah. over here in the chat. Yeah, but so like to bring it to probably a close like you're saying like finding a theme finding mm, yes and you can the, the i think one of the the best things about it is you can pretty much bully the player into a character with a solo game in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't feel as bad as it does during like a, a, a trad game so like mm-hmm. the the other i said one and a half the game i'm making now it it's about like being a ghost and trying to contact uh the people trying to contact people that you new in life to warn them about a great cataclysm like that's Mm -hmm, such mm -hmm. a wild premise that like would not work as a trad game because it i mean it's over eventually it's kind of 
you mm-hmm. could you could make a solo game that is intended to like be played just the one time you experience it yeah and then that's that's it and you can obviously play them again but uh yeah make a cool wild ass theme and it doesn't have to be wild it can be very boring <laughs> but it has to be mm-hmm. it doesn't have chef to, in the it, kitchen it, it helps to be very precise chef in the kitchen mm-hmm. that could be hey be a cool solo game i constantly think about the cooking rpg the Mm -hmm. food wars food wars food wars anime (laughs) it's all right if you don't know anything about that (laughs) i don't that's good you probably shouldn't it's not for everyone's eyes is it good uh you can tell me off so we will see you next time (laughs) that is It is bad. It is actually bad, but also good. Thank you, Hella Cheesy 22. Uh, but then just straight bad. Okay, that's the Tabletop yeah. Call-In Show. Uh, thank you to all of our wonderful callers, but especially thank you to Greg Nard and Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, a wild hour, dude. Yeah, this was fun. I, ho- I hope this kind of energy continues. I mean, it, it's been fun all three times, but... Um, it's fun to see the audience getting very soon. That was all very serious. What am I talking about? These were yeah. real people. Hashtag juice Nason. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep juicing. Ugh. I'm taking us out of here. <laughs>